Hi guys. Hello. So what's poppin'? Welcome back. I'm happy that you're here. Thank you guys for fucking with me this far, and I hope you continue to fuck oh, with the kid. Um, I have a guest this week. I, I got tired of like long intros, so just gonna jump into it. So welcome, guests. Thank you for joining me. Please introduce yourself. Oh, you ready for me? My bad. Next nine eleven. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Welcome to travel and shit. Thank you for um, agreeing to do this. I appreciate your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not patronage, not support, but um, your presence. There we go. There we go. All right. So I listen to a ton of other podcasts, right? And I was just listening to, um, what was it? Snap Judgment. On Snap Judgment, there was one episode where they were talking to a bunch of guys that came out of San Quentin. And I was like, damn, these niggas got like incredible stories. And I now I can't hear anything. And um, I had a bunch of questions that I knew I personally wanted to ask myself of people that have been in jail. Because I feel like travel is not necessarily one of those things that should or can be like confined to an individual realm of like vacation or luxury. Like there are many different tiers to travel. Like there are different tiers to love. Like there are different types of love. I feel like there are different types of travel. So I was wondering, fuck, I wonder what it's like to actually travel through the prison system. And lo and behold, shot came through for the kid and had someone I could talk to about it. And here we are. So um, let's start with an introduction. Who the fuck are you? Well, I'm a Queens-based artist, Lex 911. Been around for a little bit. Um, uh, it's obvious. I'm just now. I'm just now coming home from a little federal stint. My sentence was eight years. Just now getting back into the um into the loop of things. Um, but uh, I don't know how much I told you already. But you know, Nothing. like I've been around for a while making music. I know nothing, but I know I've heard your name before, but otherwise I don't, this is where okay. you come in. What, what, what do you feel about yourself? What do you want the people to know? Like, what would you want to portray about yourself? I mean, portray, well, it was basically where I'm just, I'm just putting out there me. And for years, it's just been, you know, um, putting my life, you know, in the music and just putting it out there, you know, like everything, that everybody know about me personally, you know what I'm saying? The, the type of person I am. I'm from, from the streets. I like to have fun. Been in the mix of a whole lot of other shit. Been in the mix of a whole lot of money and a lot of bullshit. So that's where the time came from. But it's just, you know, I'm just putting that into the music and just, you know, exploiting my lifestyle a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I come from a, a lot of sacrifices and a lot of, uh, you know, decisions that I was, you know, I had to make. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody's success story is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a lot of people, they don't even have a story. They just, you know, it's just music is there and then it's just like, that's it. But, you know, I'm one of them artists that have a story that um, that follows them. You know what I'm saying? So, basically, that's my mission now that I'm home and um, with this second chance to actually make something of it. <clears throat> it's basically just making that as vivid as possible so to the following that I have now and plan on accumulating. Okay, so I got a shit ton of questions. 
And I also had mm-hmm. a couple people send in some questions. So my first one was, what was your first arrest? My first arrest? Mm-hmm. Like, when did you first get arrested and for what? I was young. Uh, Robert, I think it was the first. Um, yeah, I think the first time I got arrested was a robbery. I was young. What's I was young? on the age. It was just like... <laughs> The broad in the gas station, you know, just on some silly young. What's young, young though? Shit. Like eight young or like fourteen young? Nah, probably about like fifteen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> probably like fifteen. So how do you figure you ended up doing that? Like what were you would you um just being too comfortable in my environment. That's all that was. Okay. That particular. What was your environment? Where are you from? Like where what part of Queens? Um, I'm from Jamaica, Queens, but I grew up on two different sides. I come from a split home. My mom's from the north side, my pops from the south side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, depending on what and when, I have a different story for you. You get what I'm saying? But this particular um arrest, which I believe is my first one. I, I'm trying to think. I've got arrested a few times, but that one was on Springfield Boulevard, you know. Um, you know, just being comfortable where I'm from, just running around doing whatever I want because everybody older knows you and you just, you know what I'm saying? Same gas station stores you walk in a hundred times a day. And it was just like, we was on bullshit one night, went in there and got to arguing and then it turned into a, and give me what I want and police pulling up on us and booking us. Got it. So what was your perception of jail before that? Like what was... What did you think of it? Was it something that you were ever um, afraid of, worried about? Did you consider that you would go to jail? Did it pose nah, as like something? That's, that's, that ain't never that ain't never been in my mind. I don't think that ever really plays too much in anybody's mind. What? You know, what I'm being like, afraid you don't to go to jail just or just make up and imagine, uh, uh, you know, what your situation would be like in prison. I know for me, I haven't. I've never even thought about it. No matter how much I put myself out there, but at risk, I never thought about how prison was going to be for me you know what i'm saying do you mean that in the sense of you never thought you would get caught and go to jail or you just never thought it's always it's always a chance but it's just i never wasted energy on thinking Ah. how my life would be in prison i just never cared to think of that okay you know people say yo stack for a rainy day i was one of the people that didn't give a fuck about a rainy day you know what i'm saying i didn't plan to fail if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do it and get away with it like i got away with a lot of shit in my life you know what i'm saying everybody does i've never yeah you know what i'm saying so i just never like Damn, man, like, I think when reality hit to the point where I knew I was going, mm-hmm. then I thought about it differently. You know what I'm saying? But when, when I was young and just out there and getting in trouble, it was just like, I'm good. Like, even with that little robbery shit, like, I knew I wasn't going to jail. Okay. I was young. It was petty. I, was, I knew I was going to the bookings. And... My pops was going to pick me up. And I, I was more afraid of what my pops was going to say than anything else. Right. You get what I'm saying? But once I got older and started, like, and I caught serious crimes, you know what I'm saying? Um, you start to probably think a little bit about it differently once you're in this situation of, like, hell, I'm probably on my way to prison for real. Right. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so there's a difference, for those of you that don't know, between jail and prison. So mm-hmm. if you would explain to the people what the difference is. Um, well, in my opinion, the difference is, you know, jail is just like, like I said, it's, it's, it's like the county level jail is, uh, you know, the short stint just, Mm -hmm. 
you're sitting there waiting, just waiting to see the judge to get out. You get what I'm saying? And prison is just, to me, is like the whole community of, of actual incarceration. Like when you have, when you, for, for one, you're sitting down for real time. And for two, there's, it's, 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 it's a, it's the community. It's, 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 it's the environment and how it's, how it's structured. You're gonna, you mean you know what I'm that? saying? Like you have libraries, you have weight rooms, you have yards, you have mess halls, you have domes, you know, you have movement. It's police. It's, it's, it's different because you, you can go to jail and it just be like, all right, you're stuck in this dome for eight months, no movements, no nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, like in my opinion, that's, that's the big difference. Prison to me is just like, this is the lifestyle. <laughs> this is this is life. You know what I'm saying? Like, is this is not a short stay. This is this is life. And get used to it. Get comfortable. Like, you're not just here to just sit still and do nothing. You're here to do this time and make something of it. So, what's the? I guess the is there a layout difference in the two? Like, is jail? For, okay, so here's a good one. Is it like it looks on TV? Like you see just a little cell. It's a bit like if I used to watch Oz with my brother. And a lot of, a lot Oz, of that <laughs> Okay. So it's like a cell, two beds, toilet, sink, that's it. It it depends. Mm-hmm. It it depends. But that is definitely one of the structures of, you know, some prisons. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I was in the feds on this this one. So it's just like on different levels and different prisons is structured different. You might have a whole dorm with cubes. And it'd be 75 different people in there to 125 different people. Then you have some prisons that have rooms and it might be a six man room or it might be a 12 man room. It might be a two man room. Um, and you also have the cells where it's the two man room, like you, like you said, the, the toilet and a shower and, you know, bunk beds and shit like that. Do they essentially um, look the depends. same? Like from mm-hmm. in terms of. Jail versus prison. Do like the accommodations look the same? No, no. It's like I did time on Rikers Island, mm-hmm. and that eight months I was on Rikers Island seemed almost longer than the six years of change I did in the feds because it's just different. It's like you're just there in a big dome, and it's just nothing to do at all. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're stuck unless you got a house, unless you got a job. You're just there, and you're just counting days. You get what I'm saying? It's miserable. That that is right. Island's like well, where I was at on the island, because then and then there's different buildings, right? And it's it's also a different structure there too, because you know you have some guys that got cells, and like I said, it's dorms and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's 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 definitely different. And I, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I prefer to do the bid the way I did than having to do that amount of time, and you know. In that kind of environment. So I, so I guess you kind of answered the next question I had. Yeah, the first major difference you notice between jail and prison, I'm assuming, like you said, would be like the communities, the way there's nothing to do versus actually something to do. Is there anything else to the way the community would be set up other than how it is, I guess, oriented in a way for you to do the time? Is are like are the people different? Are the COs different? Are like the rules different? How does that work? Yeah, um, it, it is different. Um, 
in my experience, you know, um, when you go fed, you're around a whole bunch of people from different places, mm. different cultural backgrounds, you know, just, you know, you, you got New York, you got Pennsylvania, you got California. It's, you, you get mixed up compared to, you know, if you go to state prison, nine times out of 10, you in there with everybody that's from that state. That's, mm. you know, and you might find a few people that's from different places. So the mix up with people is different. Um, the COs, it all depends where you're at. I've been, I've been to places to where the COs just hate you. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm in the mountains. They just hate you. It's just, it gets real. You can feel the tension, you know, the racial tension. Then, uh, but when you go to Rikers Island, shit like that, it's everybody from the hood. You get what I'm saying? Like I have a whole bunch of CEOs in my phone store right now, but those are homies. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like graduated. They was like, they need a job. They took a test and got it. And now they working on the island. You get what I'm saying? So right. it's just like, it's, it's, it's guys just like us that works there. So it's different. Right. You know what I'm saying? But when you start going to like, like I said, my experience, when you're dealing with the feds and you shipped all over the place, you deal with different type of people, people so that's not familiar with who you are or where you're from. And just really, they just don't give a fuck. I was gonna ask you, you know what I'm saying? With, why would they mm -hmm. care? <laughs> Mm -hmm. because no I say that because I've met some good people in prison mm -hmm. who don't judge you because you're in there because you're doing time mm -hmm. you get what I'm saying because mm, of course good people do fucked up shit yeah it's only, I mean at the end of the day you know excluding the sick motherfuckers out there that's doing these wild sick little crimes but you, you got majority of the system is filled up with guys that was trying to do for their families right you know what I'm saying a lot of a lot of situation that's crimes. where the politics is now you know yeah it's that's what the politics is now when it comes to these drug crimes and everything. It's, it's like a lot of these guys is locked up for just trying to get money, how they figured out how they can get money mm -hmm. cheating the government. You get what I'm saying? So just like me, there's a lot of other men whose brothers, they fathers, they sons, you know, um, everything just like, just like them. You get what I'm saying? And we used to have, have arguments here and there like when you get into it with the staff that's there like when they want to be on bullshit because you have some staff that see you when they come to see you on the visit floor and they see you got a wife you got kids you got a mother and father you got family that's coming to see you some of them don't even have that at home right but these are the same ones that judge you and just feel like you scum of the earth but it's like obvious they like more than they i'm not yeah you know what i'm saying it's like it's obvious that I'm not scum of the earth when you see this kind of support system. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, but you know, uh, like I said, I came across a few people that's that's real, real good people. You know what I'm saying? Like, even to the point where some of them, you know, like, uh, I did time in Atlanta. And when I passed through, you know, you got a couple officers there that, you know, when they kick it with you, they like you. And like, right. for me, they like, yo, so I'm like, 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 you remind me a lot of, like, you know, my nephews and shit like that. So I know you're new to the city. So when you get out here, you need a job or something, no, give me a call. You got guys like that. Right. <laughs> you know, CEOs like that. And they, like I said, you got the CEOs that just don't give a fuck. They walk around. They look at you. They look at you funny. And just like how we go through the profiling on the streets and stop and frisk, that's how they do it on the compounds, too. Right. With, you know, a lot of illegal shit and stuff that goes on on the compound. So... It's it's a whole nother world. It's a whole nother world. What? How did you end up going away for so long? 
this particular um case i got um caught up in a conspiracy mm-hmm. um it was multiple guys um and in my case i was the least culprit um there wasn't too much on me at all really and um it was just I was basically trying to be used as the one to be able to, to give them information on what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I was forced to just take whatever it is that they wanted to give me. Right. You know, cause you know, my, um, my case is public. So it was just like anybody we ever see it, but it's just like for that amount of money and to see how many times my name is actually mentioned in it. And then compared to the amount of time I got, like, fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what all the homies and everybody say, you know, um, and I think, uh, Shati can even, um, co-sign that, you know, um, but I basically got caught up in a, um, in a conspiracy, a, a money crime. And, um, the, the way the time was handed down was my right hand, um, co-defendant and who I was doing my music with. He, um, he ended up with 156 months. I ended up with 96 months. And I had another co-defendant that ended up with 77. And then there was another one who wound up getting, um, I think, 48 months. And it, That's the yeah. only number I was able to break down into actual years. 48, yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's the longest span that you've done? That. Okay. So how many different facilities? Was that. it across one facility or... No, I was in multiple facilities. And the feds is different. Like, when you're going through something that they call transit, mm-hmm. you might make multiple stops before you get to where you're going to do your actual time. Okay. Um, my case was out of North Carolina. So I sat in the county for um, county about in, 10 in North months. Carolina? Yeah, okay. in North Carolina. Um, I sat in that county for about 10 months in North Carolina. And then once I was sentenced... I was shipped to Virginia, spent about a week in Virginia, and then I was shipped to uh, another place in Virginia. I was there for about two weeks. Then I went from that to Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Then from Philadelphia, I went to Brooklyn. And between those two spots, I think I might have did a week in both of those places. Then I went back to Pennsylvania and I was there for about a month. Then I finally got to uh, where I was doing my first, like, um, where I, you know, I could unpack, I could unwind and move around that, you know, the community I was telling you about. So it took me about two months to finally get wow. to where I was doing my time at. Do you they know, explain um, why you do that? Huh? Do they explain why they do that? Like, to me, that doesn't no, make they sense, don't. but I don't know if there's a reason. No, nah, they they don't never explain it, but everybody's situation different because they got something called like like um, diesel therapy. Like if there's something about you in the system and they feel like they need to get some get right out of you, you can spend a whole year on the road. Like I used to crack jokes like, yeah, I'm on tour. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Because you'll be in one place for a month or two, then they ship you somewhere else. You there for about a month or two, then they ship you somewhere else. Then it should be somewhere else where you're not getting comfortable. And it kind of, they do that to break you down. Okay. You, you get what I'm saying? Um, and then the feds, it's like, it's kind of like how you see it on TV, but then it's not like how you see it on TV. But they just, 
think somebody's always up to something. So it was just like, man, if we just book him here and then take him straight to where he's going, it's easy to figure out it. Somebody might try to break them out. So let's fly them around in circles and then finally get them to where they need to go. Well, that was another you question. Know? So how do they transport you? Do you fly or do you like ride yeah, a bus? Both. You, really? you fly and yeah. How do you fly? Like just like a normal passenger? Do you, are you cuffed? Like do they make, how does that work? Cuff, you uh and then depending on uh, your situation, you could be cuffed different. But me personally, I was cuffed at the ankles, cuffed around the waist, cuffed on the wrist. You know, you wear paper suits. It doesn't matter what the weather is. I done been out there on that tarmac, 30 degrees in a snowstorm with a T-shirt on and socks. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Getting rained on. They don't care. Then they put you on a plane and the AC is booming and you're in there shaking. And so, now it's a regular commercial flight? Uh, they got they got their con air. Okay. Interesting. You know, it's not called con air, but we right. call it con air. It's not <laughs> right. like they're pulling up in the Delta or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? You might pull up in a regular airport, mm-hmm. but you, you'll pull up off to the side and then it had the flag on it, on a wing. I totally forgot con air was a movie. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that. Shit. Now I got this. Now I'm going to go back and watch the shit. I got weekend plans mm-hmm. now. So when you did the. So, OK, but I'm conflating two questions. Part of it is. The time that you spent moving around so much, it was all for the one case. Is that the only time you had been locked up before? Is that the only time you did like a long stint or like had you done time before done, this I've one time? I've done time. I've, okay. I did uh, eight months on Rikers Island before. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that was an old um, gun charge that I had back when I was younger. Um, but other than that, I've had other cases to where I might have beat or had dropped down to no jail time and maybe had to just stay out of trouble for a year or so whatever waste money but that was definitely my bid <laughs> that was the bid the fed bid you know what i'm saying okay so when i guess which facility would you say was like the worst experience or did you have nobody long likes, enough time? No, nobody nobody likes the county um, I spent a year in a box. I kind of count that as a location because it's, it should, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it might've not changed facilities, but it's an experience. So where it's did different. you, where were you in mm-hmm. the box? And I was in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was cool. See, my bid kind of worked out good for me. And like how the prison guys talk, you know, the terminology is like, yeah, you broke your bit up. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when I say I broke my bit up, it's because I was able to do a little bit of time, multiple different ways. So my time was able to flow a little bit different. Like okay. some people be like, yo, son, that time, I don't know how it felt for you, but that shit seemed like it, it, it flew by. And I'm like, no, I did. But you have your moments to where the shit seemed like it's taking forever. You know what I'm saying? But. Like I said, I did 10 months in the county. Then I went to Pennsylvania and I did about two years. Mine is, I guess, like three months in the, in the box. But then at the end of those two years being there, 
I sat in their box for 11 months. And where? At the Pennsylvania? In Pennsylvania. So, mm-hmm. so you were in the box two different times at two different locations? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like my, it was in my first year at the prison I was at. I got booked for some bullshit, um, got into it with police. And I, and I did like close to 90 days. That was, okay. So that was the first time I, I did it. Got out. Everything's all good. And then from December 1st, 2015 to October something, 2016, I was in a box. That's in a Pennsylvania. Long, that's, a, that's like a year. How the fuck yeah, did you end up? What happened the second time? Uh, the second time, what it was, is a lot of politics in prison. I got caught up in, in the politics. I was, I was well known there. Um, and... Basically, what happened, I was a tutor. Uh, you know, they, they make you get jobs and everything. I was a tutor. I was helping guys with their GED and shit. However, the demographics on the compounds are similar everywhere, but just a little different. And when I say that, I mean, like, when it comes to the crimes and when it comes to, um, you know, where, where everybody's from, you know, that's the only thing that really changes. And on compounds in the feds, a lot of the guys with certain type of crimes have certain type of jobs. Okay. If that makes sense. You get what I'm saying? So the, the particular job I had, a lot of the child molesters, mm-hmm. a lot of the, um, the trans, and a lot of the, uh, the gay inmates have those type of jobs. Right. The tutor job. So, yeah, like the tutor, like anything tutor, library, landscaping. Okay. You know, um, and uh, what happens is when you're in, in when you in those uh, position for those type of jobs, they even trying to get you out of it, you know, or they're trying to be the ones to try to boss you around because they feel like those are supposed to be their jobs. If it makes sense to you, you know what I'm saying? Now, who is they other inmates or the, the, the group that I just, I just named, um, oh, like, the, 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 okay. The, um, yeah. the outliers, the L, the LGBTQ and, and including the child molesters cause they are not like the different, like necessarily this because demographic yeah, like certain, demographic. certain groups of people just feel like certain jobs are supposed to be theirs. Got it. Okay. So they like, were trying to fuck with you because they didn't feel like you belonged in their group. If you will, because none of them, none, none of them worked in 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 the tutor circle that I worked in. Mm-hmm. So basically, what happened? Me and a, a couple other guys had they was basically dropping notes, and dropping notes means somebody was telling the story, snitching, and putting it up underneath the warden's uh, uh, um, door. Mm-hmm. And long story short, basically, they were saying I had a relationship going on with female staff that was there, the woman that I was working for. So. Okay. It started an investigation. So, and in that investigation, it's not like you can just do your time and then they come get you whenever they feel like question. You know, they put you in a box and it takes forever to come sit down and tell you anything. And and at the end of it, I didn't get written up for nothing. I just got shipped off to somewhere else because they had no facts or nothing. Wow. And everybody explains, like, look, this is what goes on at, on, on this compound. And you got these guys that did this. Go get them. Why did he not be investigated? You know what I'm saying? Right. So, 
um, I basically had to deal with that. And it's just complicated a lot for my time. But like I said, I had a lot of dudes like, oh, you was able to break up your time. Mm-hmm. So, well, what exactly is the long- box? Hmm? What exactly is the box for somebody that doesn't know what the box is? Uh, the box is basically the shoe. That's just, you know, the um, solitary confinement. You know, you're in there with a with a bunk, maybe two. You might have a shower in there with a little sink. And it's 23 and 1. You get a, you get an hour of wreck every day. But you and that bitch all day. You ain't getting out on the weekends. Mm-hmm. You know, they give you a jumpsuit and they give you a pair of drawers. And... Three days out the week, they come around and and they swap it out for you. <laughs> you know, they swap out everything from toothbrush to soap to, and you're not eating good. You know, um, different places do different things too. Mm-hmm. You got some places who actually let you order off the commissary and have things, and then you have places that they don't. Okay. And put it this way: I, every time I went to the box, I lost twenty pounds every time. You know, um, but going through that, once I finally got to another compound, I was shipped to Ohio. Once I made it there, that made that time go by so fast and smooth because I got so acclimated to the, you know, the slow bit, the slow 11 months I just had. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like every time I, I'm up and I'm moving around, next thing, oh, shit, it's four o'clock. Oh, shit, it's nine o'clock. Oh, the day's over. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. So um, my bid was broken up a little bit. Because then after that, I bounced around probably like three more times. So, um, I moved since 2016. I think I moved to maybe three, four different places. So you had been in jail or well, in prison for what, like? A year before you ended up going to the box? Or at least for the long extended time that you I had done it. The right? long time, I say two years. Cause I got locked up. I left January twenty thirteen and December first, twenty fifteen is when that long stint started. So you how much time so you had spent the eight months in Rikers and then you had spent the No 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 no, no not Wait, you mean on this bit? I think <laughs> the eight months, the eight oh, the months, eight months were separate. That was, that was, yeah, yeah, that was the gun charge. That was a good charge. Yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. I spent the 10 months in the County. Right. And then I did the two months in transit mm-hmm. going to multiple different places. Mm-hmm. Then I finally got to Pennsylvania, um, December, 2013. So basically, yeah, right on, right on the head. I basically was on that compound for two years when, um, when I had to go to the box for a year. Okay. So my question to you is you'd already had an experience of, um, prison, different areas, different types of experiences, if you will. But like you had already formulated, I guess, an opinion about it, right? Like you had, you had a, um, a factual basis. Like there was something with which you could gauge what the, um, experience was. Right. But how do you think it, because jail, prison, whatever, however you want to categorize it, I think changes a person to some extent, not necessarily for the good, not necessarily for the bad, because everybody is different. But how do you think the two different types of experiences that you had while you were incarcerated affected you as a person? 
like being spending so much time by yourself how how do you think that affected your mental health or how did that um how did that change you me personally it didn't change much because i don't mind being a loner for one mm-hmm. you know that's just me i like my space and i tried to stay on the positive side of that because I'm, I'm i'm like i'm very cerebral anyway you know what i'm saying but i tried to keep it on the positive side by saying you know i needed this time to reflect and really put things in better perspective instead of allowing these people to try to put this in front of me as a punishment that i did something wrong knowing i didn't i sat there and looked at it like i know i didn't do nothing wrong so how can i use this time to figure out the things that i couldn't figure out with the distractions of being in the population and me being a writer, that's around the time when I really started writing again. Mm-hmm. You know, I wrote a, I wrote a movie in there. I wrote, you know, a bunch of songs, a bunch of business ideas and everything. You get what I'm saying? So when I was on a compound, it was hard because, for one, I'm a tutor, so it's taking up time. Then, you know, um, other extracurricular activities as far as, you know, playing ball and just being with the homies and everything. And also I was studying um for uh fitness certifications and stuff like that you get what i'm saying so i was able to do my time comfortably and stay busy but i was jail busy got it i wasn't lex 911 busy and i actually used that 11 months in the shoe to be lex 911 busy to be me personally like even outside of lex 911 myself busy because i was able to like i said finally tap into the creative side that I, I wasn't able to on the compound. And I was also to tap into myself spiritually being, you know, cause it's one thing being in prison and being separated from the world, but being in the prisons, prisons where you basically locked in the bathroom for this long and you're super separated. It's like being buried alive. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like if a bomb went off, I might be in the safest place, spirit. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like I always tell people prison is like the the next best thing to being dead or next worst thing to being dead. You know, out of sight, out of mind. And that really plays on your mental when you're in there because you really feel super shut out from the world and from your family and from everybody. Mm-hmm. You might get one phone call every 30 days. You know, you might write a letter and it might take a whole week to leave. And then by the time your people get it, it's going to take whatever time it takes them to finally write back then another week or so you might get a letter, you know, once every three weeks, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you feel so separated from like life period. You have to really figure something out mentally. It fucks a lot of people up. Me personally, I don't see any negatives that it had on me. Okay. You know, unless somebody's like, my son be like, no, nah, you, you be tripping. Cause I, I don't see it. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't feel like, but I've seen it happen. I've seen people have anxiety attacks. I've seen people just be straight burnt out after that. And I get to a whole nother spot and see them and be like, yo, what happened to them? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, ain't no man supposed to be locked up and, and, and no shit like that. It's basically like a cage. So since you mentioned, um, like, communicating with, like, family and people outside, I'm going to go to one of the questions 
uh, somebody sent in. Uh, did you have support from your family? Were they able to see you? For example, someone who is transferred upstate but is from the city and family can't access transportation. So what was your interaction with your family like, I guess, is what she's getting at? Uh, we stayed in touch. You know, um, you know, you got you have the phone, but in the feds, you only have a certain amount of minutes you can use a month. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have an email that you also pay for it too. And um, that is basically unlimited. As long as you have money on it, you can, the email is um, charged by the amount of time. Um, so we stayed in touch as far as visits. Um, Bando, mine started in North Carolina, being from New York, my family in New York. You know, the county time, they'd tell you, hey, 20 minutes of visit on a phone in a big window. Me personally, I told my family, you don't have to come see me. I don't want you to drive all the way from New York to see me for 20 minutes to talk to me on the phone with a glass in front of us. Right. And you know I'm saying, like, I'm good. My moms and my grandmothers and all of them, my wife and everybody, they know I'm good. They just, when it comes to that, they just know I physically, they know I can take care of myself. And mentally, they speak to me enough to know, like, I'm straight. You know what I'm saying? When I finally got to the compound and I see my family and I see my kids for the first time, it was a shock, you know, um, kind of because I ain't seen my kids in about a year in the beginning. The worst part of my bid was when I started that December 1st, 2015, when I went to the box for that 11 months, things got complicated because basically... My family, my um, my wife, kids, they basically relocated that June prior to that. They moved down to Atlanta. So my whole plan was to get transferred to be closer to them. But what happened was I got caught up in the bullshit. They threw me in the box for a year. Then sent me in the opposite direction. At the same time, I have an appeal going on. So it's just like, all right got a few dollars i can we, we can get you here but everybody wants you to do their appeal because everybody wants you home sooner so it's just like the traveling and everything was like it was an inconvenience mm-hmm. so it was just more or less like look give me a few months i'm gonna get a trance and i'm gonna get there but i i didn't see my wife and my kids for damn near almost three years jesus christ i seen them june 2015 the next time i seen them was Holiday time, December 2017. That's when I finally, I left. I was in Ohio for about, I think, 14 months. And then I got finally got transferred to Atlanta. And I was able to get a visit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that was a trying time for me. Because, you know, I got days when I'm just acting. And I just ain't got time for nobody's shit. Now, you miss kid. Was that before mm-hmm. you did um, the box or no? Like, no, that was right after. Okay, so you you were able to see them after you did the box? Not right after. Before I went to the box, I got my visits. Mm-hmm. When I went to the box for that 11 months, and then I went through the transit and going to Oklahoma and all that other bullshit, and then finally getting to Ohio. Um, I got there, I think, October 2016. I didn't transfer from Ohio to Atlanta until December 2017. That's when I finally seen them. Okay. Are you able to get visits while you're in the box? Uh, you are. 
limited. Mm-hmm. Fed Fed uh, visits is like six, seven, eight hours or something like that. Okay. On a weekend, it'll probably be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and on holidays. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I got put in a shoe, when I got put in a box, they changed the visits for us. Now it's not on the weekends because they don't want us to be on the visit floor as the regular inmates. So they okay. changed it to like a Monday or Tuesday to make an inconvenience. Right. So it's just like, how you expect me to get a visit if my wife is working and my kids is in school of on these days? Intentional. And me, huh? That, that's intentional. That There's no yeah, other lie yeah, to that. They, they, they do that. And you got some dudes that don't care and they be on the phone. Like, you got to get up here. Nah, nah. But I'm just not that dude. I'm not going to tell you to miss days from work. Know how much money I took off the table by being locked up. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell my kids to miss school knowing that I just separated my, myself from y'all and not able to give y'all as much as I need to give y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you handle what you got to handle and daddy going to be all right. I'm going to be straight. You know what I'm saying? Just, I just hope you understand what we're going through and you can look at it like me and we know that all right, soon we're going to see each other again. So that's where I was with my family. So, um, Go ahead. You can finish your thought. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that was the hardest part in my whole, my whole bit was those, that two years and a half and changed them when I didn't see them. So since you kind of brought it up, like how do you discuss it with your kids? Like how do you explain, well, how old are your children? If you don't mind me asking. Well, well right now my son is 18. Okay. And, um, and my daughter right now, she's um she's nine. When I left, my son was eleven and my daughter was two. So my son, he always been on the right page as far as communication with me because I don't hide much from him. Okay. He was he was smart and I'm just an open book with him. My daughter, she was just too young and green, naive right. to know what anything was about. Mm-hmm. But when I finally explained to her, even when she used to come to the visit floor, she'd look around, she wouldn't get it. But I explained to her in 2017 what was what I was going on, because now she's about seven years old. Mm-hmm. And it was just something simple. It was a simple conversation like, do you know the the cops and robbers thing? And she's like, yeah. I said, all right, so what is the cops? What is the police? Oh, police people who arrest people. All right, who do they arrest? The bad guys. Okay, cool. And then what do they do with the bad guys? Oh, they put them in jail. Okay, cool. Basically, daddy was the bad guy. And the police arrested me and they put me away. So she just, then she goes from that to, what did you do? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like I said, I'm an open book for them. I was like, oh, well, daddy needed money and I took some money that wasn't mine. So, um, you know, I had to, you know, handle the consequences. And Makes sense to me. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, and it's easy for her to grasp, especially because where her response was the probably the strongest thing that I've heard from anybody since I was locked up. But it was just like my daughter, she sat there and she looked and she thought about it. And she was just like, but we don't care about no money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if you just needed the money, why you just couldn't get it from mommy or grandma or so you know what i'm saying it was right. just the simplicity of a child's mind just always works because that's it's, the simplicity in life is the way to go yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying 
it's, it, it's just that's how you get older and things become less simple. It's like we complicate things as we get we, older, and we do it, and we do it, we do that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like when I heard my daughter say that, I laughed, and I was just like. It makes sense, but like if an adult would have told me, that, I'm like, man, you don't shut right. the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get out of here. You know what I mean? Like, right. Shot, you have conversations like this with me. You know what I mean? Shot, like, yo, thanks, man. I used to tell you, I'm like, yo, Shot, leave me alone, man. What the fuck <laughs> you talking about, nigga? I need this bag. What do you mean? But when when I hear that from her, it's just like, yeah, you're right. Next time I need some money, I'm going to ask my mom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like, <laughs> you know, that beat is going out there and doing something stupid any day. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. I don't know. It, it's just funny. But, like, that was an ill conversation I had with her. So she kind of grasped that the um, best way possible. So, and um, then after that, things with communicating with her got a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And it got a little bit tricky because now she got different type of questions. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because there was one point when my daughter asked me why I didn't want to live with them no more. Mm. So that was kind of hard, to, you know, difficult to deal with because I had to explain to her, like, that's not what it is. I don't want you to think that daddy don't want to be there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because she can get the whole cops and robbers thing, but she would she, a child that young would never understand. But why you got to be away for so damn long? Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, they get on, they get in trouble, they get on punish, punishment, and it's like a couple of days, no video games, it's down to third. Like, wait, what do you mean? Like, you just disappeared for like wild years? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There's a certain difference, and that's where the kid logic don't really pay off. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not that easy, even though it's, to them, that easy. Mm-hmm. Shit. The kids be, yeah, the kids is the sauce why even. Oh man, that's I that was the hardest. Yeah, hardest I, part of my career. I don't even have any fucking kids. I got a dog, but I mean, <laughs> I got my. There are children in my life that I do love and care about and cherish, and just like trying to just answer normal, basic questions about things. You know what I mean? And it's just like the mm-hmm. care you put into explaining something mundane, like my um. My pseudo goddaughter FaceTimed me and was, we were talking about like adverbs and adjectives because she's like, yo, I'm having trouble in English, blah, blah, blah. I was like, baby girl, I got you in English. Let, let, we can talk about it. Math, I ain't the one. English, I got you. What's the deal? And so I'm trying to think about appropriate ways to explain things. And it's like you realize how unimportant it is when it comes to, you know, people and families that have to explain drug addiction to kids that that have to explain, you know, homelessness to children that have to explain why one parent is home and one isn't why your mother and father aren't married anymore. Just shit like that. And it just, a lot of it puts shit in perspective. So I, I commend y'all to have to have these difficult ass kids with kids, difficult conversations with kids. I don't know. I still have them to this day. My daughter has something bright to ask me every day. Yeah, that that should turn <laughs> off. But what was the trial like for you? Um, well, I mean, really it was just the county time. My my um nobody on my case nobody went to trial. Okay. You know, like with the feds, you know, they got a ninety seven percent uh winning rate. You get what I'm saying? Like they don't come to you unless they got enough to be like, all right, look, no matter what happens, we got this is what we got. And <laughs> you're going to have to face something. You know what I'm saying? 
my approach was a bit different. You know, um, my approach was, well, y'all got what y'all got. So I see you there. I've had a co-defendant whose approach was, well, I can give you this. And, you know, they wind up getting home a lot earlier, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then I had co-defendants to kids to try to explain. Me, personally, I fucked up. This is what you got. It is what it is. It's no changing that no matter what I tell you. So I did not care to sit down with the police and even try to plead my my side of the story. Because all they're doing is, is trying to get you to say something that's going to implicate something or someone else. They're not talking to you to, to, to try to help you. If they cared, they would have never arrested you. They would have pulled up to your house and had to sit down and let you know, like, hey, look, listen, we know you're committing crimes, but we don't want to take you to jail, so um, tighten up. But that's not what they're doing. Right. Once, once they got you, all right, what can we get out of this? Can we get, can we get others? You know what I'm saying? And for me, and I, I guess you would say that trial period was simple. It was, uh, uh, I got in there in January. They sent me... Um, they, they, they sent me a couple uh pleas. One was a telling plea, the first one. I shot that back like, y'all can kiss my ass. The second one was uh something similar to it, like, okay, your co-defendants basically are saying that you ain't have too much. Well, this is my lawyer said. My co-defendants basically took up for me saying that I basically ain't have much to do with anything, which was shown in the evidence. But these dickhead people looking at it like, Maybe he's the main guy and they're trying to protect him. Okay. Like it's a you know what I'm saying? So they try to make it a little bit harder on me. Like, we're not doing nothing for you unless you do this. So it again, I it was more or less like me telling my lawyer, give me a plea or something like that. Because I really don't have nothing to say to them. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did. So by by April, I was already in my plea agreement okay. to take the time that I was going to get at sentencing. You know what I'm saying? Um, and like I said, the other guys, they was able to sit down with these people and explain to them whatever it is that they wanted to explain. Um, so my pre-trial was more or less stressing over wondering how much time I was going to actually get. Got it. Because the feds do shit a little different. You know, um, if it was state, the state could have been like, ah, right, you know what? Your name wasn't in there too much. You ain't really have. Um, I'm gonna give you. A, I'm gonna give you a you know a slap on the wrist. I give you two years or something like that. But with the feds, everything is like a point system. Got it. And all the facts from your case they add up, and it's a guideline that they have to follow. You know what I'm saying? So, um, for example, if you got two hundred dollars that's sitting here that's not yours, they go on the money scale to say, okay, hundred dollars, two hundred. Okay, two hundred dollars is worth three months. Got it. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when they add up everything on the case and they see that the case was over six hundred thousand dollars, they say, "Okay, cool. Um, boom, this is a fourteen point enhancement with a six point enhancement because it's a conspiracy because it's a few guys. Then we're gonna give them another two point enhancement because it's sophisticated means. Then we're gonna give them another two point enhancement because it's possession of it all. See, they break it down into detail and they give you time for every little detail. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like getting booked for a gun and then they book you for the clip. Then they book you for the bullets. Mm-hmm. And then they, then if you got caught red handed with the gun in your hand, they're going to book you for every finger that's on it. You get what I'm saying? It's just <laughs> yes. like, that's, 
Yeah, that's how stupid that they do. It compounds, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like so, compounding interest, but not in your favor. Yeah, so being that it was a conspiracy, no matter, even if they the evidence only shows 30 grand in my hand, the whole conspiracy is over 600. So I got to deal with the whole 600. Oh, wow. That's you know nice. what I'm saying? So that's how I was basically sent it. So my, my pre-trial was just more or less like trying to, you know, um, deal with what I knew I was about to go through. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of, it was kind of up and down because there was times when I thought I wasn't going to get that much time. I never thought I was going to get a lot. I just knew I was facing a lot. Right. But it was just times when I just really thought, yo, I might just get like two years. You know what I'm saying? Or oh, shit. My ma- I might, my max, I might get five and I already did one. So, and you only got to do 80, 85% of your time. So I might only have another two and a half years to do. You know, this is how I'm thinking. But then when I got to trial and then seeing how they started sentencing everybody and, and, every, and everything, it was my turn to get sentenced. And they told me, you know, 96 months. I, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, But it, it was what it was because at the end of the day, I, I accepted my situation. Like, <laughs> Do you have any regrets in the way you handled nah, it? Nah, not at all. That's the only way I could have handled it. So with all the moving that you did, right, what were or were there any culture changes traveling to different places and like the way that people in those different areas were like inmates yeah. and COs? Yeah, it's different. When I was in um, when I was in Pennsylvania, staff was racist as hell. And you could feel that energy. The inmates was pretty much the same. You had a whole bunch of people from. Pittsburgh, Philly, New York, Ohio, Detroit. You had a few people from the South, a um, couple people from um, Chicago, but the majority, DC, Virginia, but the majority was the more the, the more local. Mm-hmm. You know, New York and Philly was probably the biggest, and then you you would have Virginia, Maryland, DC. You know. Um, when I went to Ohio, the staff and police was much better. Like that racial tension and that 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 just that feeling just wasn't there. That's interesting. You know that you know you know had like a lot of police and everybody they just be real cynical. They just think everybody's on bullshit. They just think the worst. When I fresh off the bus and I first pulled up and got there, I felt the automatic relief from that mm. from the first people that I sat down and talked to, and that made me feel more comfortable knowing I just got out of a situation to where they race played a part, you know? Um, and they basically told me, they was like, look, I don't, we don't even know why you're here. You know, you should have went to the, the other direction and went to a different prison, but don't worry about it. We're going to go about it the, the way we're supposed to go about it. As long as you do what you got to do while you're here, we're going to get you to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. How does one so go about getting t- a transfer? Like you just request to be, do you have to have extenuating circumstances for a transfer? Like, do you have to be married with kids in order to request to be closer to your family? Or like if you were single with cousins or just your parents, would they not give a shit? You know, like, does it matter? Now people, yeah, people use different things. Like I think on paper, I think the only transfer that you're obligated, I think is your last 18 months. They're supposed to move you closer to home. Okay. Um, and initially you're supposed to be within, I think 600, uh, flight miles from home. Mm-hmm. But some guys, dad just get shot all the way out to California and be like, what the fuck? But once you get there, basically you're supposed to wait about 18 months. But it all depends because there's 
different ways to get out of there. You got people who who use programming as an excuse to go somewhere. Like, yo, y'all got me here wasting my time. I can't, I can't do my time because I want to do a, uh, I want to, uh, I want to HVAC. I want to do HVAC, but y'all don't offer that here. Send me to this place. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Or dudes to try to go to a drug program, or they go to a religious program, or, um, or, or medical facilities if they have you know something medical that's going on. But somebody that is just doing time and just trying to move, you have to have a real good caseworker that that's going to help push you because if you ain't got no reason to move like for instance if you got and it's a point system like levels you got penitentiary people you got mediums you got lows you got um camps and it's all points the higher the points the higher the security so if you're somebody that's sitting at let's say regular points and you're supposed to be at a low prison you stuck at a low prison unless you have a real reason to uh, to transfer. If you don't have a reason to transfer, you could be at one spot for six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years because your points can't get you lower. They can only get you higher, and you're already close to home, probably, or okay. within those six hundred miles. You're just gonna have to do that time unless you figure out a way to get transferred. You get what I'm saying? Right. Like you, you follow? Like me, my situation when I was able to finally transfer when they sent me to Ohio, it was like, look. Boom, my address is different. I'm I'm out of that 500, 600 um, miles. Mm-hmm. They look, they say, yeah. And I said, um, plus my points is low. My my security, like I shouldn't even be here right now. So they look at that like, okay, cool. Yeah, you're right. Do what you got to do. But you have to give them a certain amount of time. Got it. Mandatory. The, like, it has to be that eight months, at least a year. The only time they get you out of there sooner is if, like I said, if you got a program or if a memo was handed down saying like, look, it's way too crowded. If you got any guys that got points that's supposed to be lower or higher, get them out of there. Got it. You know what I'm saying? So okay, that's that's how that that's how that works. How do you forge? Uh, one of my listeners asked, "How do you forge allies when you get to a new prison? Like, and what are your biggest fears when you arrive at a new prison?" Yo, to be honest, for somebody like me and a whole lot of other guys like me. When you go into a whole nother prison, you kind of got this little excitement. You know what I'm saying? Because it depends on what kind of time you're on. Because it's almost like transferring from a high school to a whole nother one. Okay. Yo, who am I going to see? <laughs> like, I mean, really, that's how it is. Because once you get there, it's not stressful time. Like I said, everybody be on their own time. You got homies. Like, how they do it is is, is demographically. Like, I mean, um, uh, geographically. Okay. Um, If you're from New York, and people from New York is going to pull up on you. Like, what's up? Wherever you from, they call it cars. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, those are the people that's going to be, if you're from Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh people, gonna, they're going to they pull up on you. They might have clothes for you, food and anything for you to get right. But they only do that with people that they know that they're good, paperwork-wise. They ain't telling nobody. They ain't on no funny time. Mm-hmm. If you're on funny time, you're in a whole class all by yourself. Nobody wants to deal with you. So how do they you know find all of that so, out? Because um, sometimes we got complete strangers. Like when I pulled up to my first spot, I was in a six-man room. And when they found out where I was from, I had a North Carolina number. But <laughs> as soon as somebody said something to me and they heard me, they said, oh, you from New York? I'm like, yeah. All right, yo, I'm going to let your homie know. He's right there. Boom. So one person, person pulled up on me. Yo, what's up, homie? You need something? Where you from? 
I am from Queens. Whoa, whoa. Oh, okay, okay. This is how, uh, this is your first time, first spot? I'm like, yeah. All right, boom. This is how it goes. I got a bag for you. I'm going to bring you the bag. But we on paperwork time. So if you good on that and your paperwork straight, you take the bag, you straight. What's that mean? If your shit ain't right, just let, just let niggas know from jump. Me personally, I didn't need no bag. But I took it because that was just the homie thing to do. And you ain't want to kind of, you ain't want to raise no flags on niggas even thinking you wasn't right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But so what, like, yeah, what is all bag, that? Like, what's the bag mean? What's that? Huh? What's the bag? They giving you money for commissary is, or they give you like a, a goodie bag? They give, is they, it like, give, like me, like what they brought me, they brought me a sweatsuit. Because when you get there, you only got a khaki suit and you got some, uh, some, some China shoes, slippers or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And a t-shirt. And the regular clothes they give you, brown tees and your khakis and heavy ass big Mario brother boots. You know what I'm saying? So basically when they pulled up with me with a bag, I had a sweatsuit, I had some sneakers, I had some basketball shorts. Basically I can go take a shower and get comfortable and not look like I just got off the bus. Got it. Deodorant, toothbrush, you got the Christians or whatever religion that um that, that you are, they are coming there, bring you a care package, it'll be toothpaste or or, or your uh your toiletries or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and food, just to get you until the next day until we until you're able to shop for yourself. Okay. So that's how it was for me the first spot. Now, when I went to the shoe and I was being transferred, how it happened for me there was guys already knew I was on my way because you got other guys that's from the prior compound that's speaking to other guys. Yeah, yo, the homie about to come through there, man. Like, he good. Okay. You know, you know, so when I pulled up, I had people that was meeting me like, yo, let, yo, nah, what's up, boy? Like, I got you. You know what I'm saying? But then there's other guys that might be there that don't know you that's not familiar that you can sit down with. Like, yeah, this is my paperwork. This is who I am. And tell them nobody. Like, this is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I was into sports. I was into playing ball at my first spot. So that's how a lot of the guys from the other states knew who I, what, who I was when I got there. So they embraced me different. Like, homie. Even though they ain't know me, but the good guys from the other spot told them about me. And plus, I could play ball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, that that's that's like the fun part. That's like I said, that's oh, well, not fun part. But it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not stressed out like, oh, I'm a new kid in the school. One of these niggas going to beat me up. Like, you're not thinking that. Okay. You're just wondering, damn, I wonder how big the compound is. Um, I wonder who my cellies is going to be. Um, damn, is the TV room going to be open after 11? Um, I wonder if they got weights and being though I play ball, I'm like, damn, I want if niggas in here play ball. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I want if niggas here rap. You know what I mean? It's just, you wondering how these next months is going to be. You're not really worried about, I mean, you got guys that be worried about shit, but that's because they no good. But, um, then leaving from there and going to the, uh, going to Atlanta, which was a camp for me. I've never been to a camp. You hear about the extra freedom and all that with the camp and all the extra shit that goes on at the camp. Oh, I can't wait to get there. Mm. So I'm definitely excited. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to see my family. Um, I'm about to wild out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so it, it's it's a sense of like ex- excitement when like when you move into a whole other spot, especially because all right, it's prison, but no nobody want to be stuck in the same place forever. Okay. Well, it sounds you know, like so you're reminiscing. Me, so is there anything that you miss about jail or prison? Nah, hell no. <laughs> hell no. See, I, what, I, what, um, 
what I appreciate about that time though is you know the handful of good people that um that I came across. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because like you you come across a whole bunch of people that you know from the same walks of life as you. You know, same circumstance. Like we at the bottom. You know what I'm saying? And there's a certain level of camaraderie there when you build with somebody. You know what I mean? Because I got friends that I grew up with my whole life and they never been in no situation like that with. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But like, I'm the only child. I, I didn't grow with brothers and sisters in the house. So now I'm, see, I'm living with other men. I got four other guys in my room. You build, it's, it's, a, it's that camaraderie. You build with them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And a shared experience. I got a lot. Dad. Huh? It's a shared experience. It's a shared yeah, experience. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's just ill because you know they can relate. And to this day, you know, a handful of them that's home now, we speak, you know, and everybody's on the same time and everybody's on the same focus. And it's like, if somebody see me post something and they feel like, um, yo, this nigga and I might be stressed out, they're going to be the first one to hit me and Check say in. something like, yo, bro, stay focused. Woo, woo, woo. You know what I'm saying? Instead of uh, uh, a lot of these niggas I grew up with. Got it. You know what I'm saying? The people that you grew up with, they ain't on social media. They just want to sit there and gossip about it with a whole bunch of other motherfuckers when they think you're going through something. Mm, okay. But the other homies that been there with you and they know what you're about and they know your intentions, when they see that and they think you're slipping, they call and you're like, yo, bro, you right? Do you think it's also because maybe they just understand it yeah, better? absolutely. Because like, you absolutely. have that shared experience, whereas someone that may not have had that experience doesn't know what like certain triggers might be or like what certain signs may be. Yeah, it, it plays a part being able to relate, but then you got dudes who actually did that time before or been in prison in any kind of way before and they home, but they just like so separated from that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't matter. To them. It's just like, you just got people who just really don't care. Okay. So last you know two questions for you. What's your best jail story? Whether it's one of your own stories or the best shit you heard from somebody else. Like, uh, that can go either way, but I guess the best way I can explain uh, one of the best stories I heard. Um, without exploiting what still goes on there, I think one of the best stories I heard was one of my guys, man. He um older dude. He was sentenced to to life, and you know. He kept his he kept his nose in the books, the, the, the you know the, the legal books, and he learned the law, and he fought his case, and he fought it for years, and he went from having life to having twenty five years to breaking it down to being immediately released. Oh wow! Now he gave the system a lot of time, but it sure does beat having a life sentence. Sure, shit does. Yeah, especially when you and, and, and going through them years and you think you're never going to get home to your family. And then one day they just knock on your bump or they call you to the office like, yo, get your shit. You're being released. You're like, what? Mm. And you're not expecting it. So I, I think all those stories is always the best to release stories. What goes on in the compound and, and the extra perks that people get and the shit that they get away with. It's cool, but that's really on jail. Cool. Right. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Shati, he. He's another one that can co-sign. He know how cool my last couple of years in prison been because of the certain perks I had. 
but it's only really cool to me and everybody else that's with me and other people like that's in contact with me. They be like, oh yeah, yeah, this nigga living, but really it's just like jail living. It's like what kind of perks <laughs> are those? What a perk? What are jail perks? I mean, all right, now they vary. Like you get guys who get favors, you got guys who get things. Like it's, I mean, it's not a. Uh, it ain't no secret. Everything that's on the streets is in prisons. Mm-hmm. From weapons to phones to food that you ain't supposed to have, clothes you ain't supposed to have, all that other shit. You know what I'm saying? So you just got some guys who actually be able to just you know get certain things, and they do that. You know what I'm saying? You got guys who just you know like they're able to see they they ladies and get some shit off right quick, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's just. It's prison is 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 like it's just I I don't like like I said before I got to explain it I I really don't want to speak too much onto what still goes on. Copy. You know what I'm saying. So then the but, next question. Mm-hmm. So my last question for you is: Everybody always asks, um, what message would you give to kids about being in jail? But I'm more curious, like, what would you tell other grown people about being in jail? Because you got grown people fucking up. You know what I mean? It's like it's I feel like there are more interventions. I mean, there are interventions at every level and there are different explanations for every level. Right. Like you've got uh, programs for like elementary school kids and you've got programs for like young adults, like kids that's in high school, whatever the case may be. But then you also have certain programs that are for adults, like across the different levels, like who would your. What what would your messaging be, and like, who would you direct your energy towards? Um, I always direct my energy towards the younger. You know what I'm saying, like, because they need the most. You know what I'm saying, like a lot of the young guys out here, young girls, like they just don't have the guidance, mm-hmm. and that seems to always be play a part in a lot of people's lives who fuck up they they just don't have no direction they don't have no guidance you know so that's why like outside of home the kids are usually real close to their coaches or their best teacher shit like that because they're getting the guidance and, and shit that they're not getting from at home so um i had a conversation with um whatever four years years ago mm-hmm. and she wanted me you know to speak to the kids and she wanted she basically she wanted me to kind of put my hands on to like certain situations that was going on in the hood. But my stance on it was like just certain things I cannot touch and I just won't. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about the kids, then I'll do whatever it is you need me to do. You get what I'm saying? Um so my message will always be to the to the to the young and unguided is basically like. I can't tell you what to do and what not to do and tell you don't be out there and living whatever lifestyle you're living, but just know nothing lasts forever. Right. And whatever it is that you decide to do that comes with consequence, know that whatever it is that you decide to do comes with consequence and just, you know, be hold you, you know, be accountable for it. And always have a plan. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because like Shit, truth be told, a lot of these cities been built off cocaine. A lot of these cities been built off illegal shit. You know what I'm saying? Like fucking government is the most crookedest shit ever. You get what I'm saying? Right. But have a but have a plan. 
Because if you don't have a plan, then you're just, you're going to be out there. You got dudes that's been hustling and selling weed for 30 years. It's obvious. That just don't make no sense. Right. Have a plan. If you're going to do this to get X amount of money to put into something a little bit more lucrative and straightforward, then do that. Don't just don't just be out there just freelancing and then doing it and, and putting it out there because when it comes to get you is a whole other thing. You're gonna lose family, you're gonna lose friends, you're gonna lose a whole lot. And some shit you can never gain back. Right. You know, so I my my message was just, you know, nothing lasts forever. I feel you like know? that could apply to adults as well that could apply to anybody across any spectrum and in any situation not necessarily just um illegal activity i mean that's yeah, a yeah. lot of that's a lot of shit yeah. so i mean that's uh pretty well-rounded so yeah you know those those words basically you know is is it's in the bible you know what i mean and like i said it always comes back to simplicity of life like you can apply that to different areas like you just said like it doesn't have to be with crime and all that and not and and i don't mean to say like yo if you're going to crime just know this that no it just mean period with life because you could just be doing anything you could be playing ball you never know you could be the best player in the city but you tear your acl or something like that and you won't play ball never again and you won't right. be getting this check that you've been dreaming about or been putting all your eggs in that batch you know what i'm saying so just kind of like always live life with securing yourself each step of the way you know, you go buy a car, you put insurance on it. You go buy a space of jewelry, you put insurance on it. Put insurance on your life. And insurance might just be, don't run around here trying to like just portraying this lifestyle thinking you could just make it happen. Get a job if you need one. That's your security. That's your insurance. If this shit don't work, at least I still got a job that's paying these bills. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just always secure yourself. And what would you say to... Now that you are post-release, right? What mm -hmm. would you say to somebody that's either going in or on their way out? What do you think like a better time to reach somebody is? Like, did you plan for what you would do after release? Yeah. Okay. A lot so of people have, don't have plans though. So you had a plan. So do you think that it's important to, I guess inspire someone if you will bef before they finish or like like when they first get in or when they're about to be out both i didn't mind doing that like when i was on the compound right i always attracted the younger crowd you know the little homies i always attracted them you know what i'm saying but at the same time i'm a little bit older so it's just like they come to me and they come talk to me they just come in. I tell them, you know, I'll break it down real quick. Like, how much time you got? All right, look. Well, you won't have to tell you nothing because what you're doing now, you might make it harder for yourself to get through this time. A nigga might be on the phone beefing with his girl, going acting all crazy, cursing out. Fuck you. You ain't got to bring my kids into my life. You ain't hurt nobody but yourself. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, so sometimes you got to, like, just give them a little quick little, <laughs> and, and they be straight. You know what I'm saying? But then... You meet the ones where they on their way out and they and you listening to them and, and they talking to you and some of them ain't got no plans for nothing. And they just sound wild reckless. Like they're going right, right back out there to sell dope. You know what I'm saying? Then you got some that have plans and, and you know, but you asking from a, from, from a post-prison perspective, like if I had a chance to say something to them now. Yeah. Basically, 
you know, going in, you know, you definitely got to let them know, like, it ain't that hard. You know, um, I stopped somebody from committing suicide one time. Mm. They was about to hang themselves because they felt like they couldn't do the time. And just like I, I basically told him, like I would tell anybody that's in it with the time that they got, who think they're not going to be able to do it. There's been many, many, many men before you that did it. And there's many, many men right now that's still doing it. You ain't the only one. So don't look at your 10, don't look at your 15 and 20 like life is over. It ain't. You know what I'm saying? Get it done. You got to, like God only put you in position, put you in position that you know you're going to get yourself through. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I also feel like guys that's on their way home need to hear certain things too because a lot of guys take it for granted. It's easy to get home, especially when you was away for a while, and get lost mm-hmm. and get sucked right back into, into the system. It's so easy. Like you got this cloud over you now. Right. You know what I'm saying? And even if it, when it's not crime-wise, it's just that the most essential thing in life is time. So when you get a lot of it taken from you, man, it's going to affect you when you get back. It affects me still. I ain't do a thousand years, but it affects me in ways like it, it, it still affects me at home. How? Like I told you, I left. My son was 11. My daughter was two. He's 18 now. My daughter's nine. So it's like now I'm trying to get, you know, I'm still trying to learn them. They still trying to learn me because now I got a young man. Right. You know what I'm saying? Even my woman, same thing with her. You know, um, being able to accept where you are in life is going to help your patience a lot, you know, because when you out there and you're making so much money and then you go to prison, you come home and things are different, you might not be able to handle that mentally. You might not want to go get a job that's paying fifteen dollars an hour because you used to making fifteen thousand a day or whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it it, it always comes easier when you accept. So if how long you been sense. back home? I've been ten toes down since April, but okay. that was that was a process too because I wasn't home home. You know, I went to a halfway house first. Then I went from a halfway house to wearing an ankle monitor and having limited movement. You know, and having to get permission to go to church or permission to go to my son's graduation. Just like little things like that. You know, I'm saying, oh, I want to go to the gym. Can I go to the gym for three hours today? It's like (laughs) living like that. So, but, um. I've been off of that and off the ankle monitor since November. So it's like, now I'm just free to just do whatever it is I'm going to do. Yay. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. So what are you working on now? What, um, what are your current goals and where can the people find you? What should people be checking out, et cetera, et cetera? Well, um, music wise, um, I'm building on some, um, I'm working on some new content. Um, a lot of visuals, a lot of music, of course. Um, I'm working on a documentary. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Uh, About what? Like jail stuff or music stuff? You stuff? Nah, nah. See, I got people that wants me to do that, mm-hmm. but that's always just been cheesy. Like, it's behind me. Like, to be honest, I, I don't give a fuck about that prison shit anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
I did it. It's over with. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you would hear about it with little things that I mentioned, but that doesn't mean I'm going to make an album talking about everything about prison. Like, I don't care for that. Right. You know what I'm saying? But the documentary, like, basically is going to give more of me to the people because, you know, there's been a lot of people that's been following me for years that know me for certain things. Okay. They might only know me from my 80s baby song or they might only know me from Queens the Movement or they might just know me from the No Rap Money. They, it's different things that they might they know and they done came, came on board at a certain time and they missed a lot. And they just, you know, a lot of people don't know I was in the movie. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't know I had a deal before. A lot of people don't know where my music and everything started. A lot of people don't know my upbringing and where I came from in Queens and everything that I've been through. They just know a little bit from the music, but they really don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, I posted something for for a throwback and it was the 80s baby song record that a lot of people knew me from. And it was somebody that I was very familiar with that's followed me for years that told me, yeah, son, I never knew that was you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So it's just like what I want to do is um this documentary is is basically based on my life and everything from when I was a child. Okay. Where my family came from. You know, my sacrifice. I made a lot of sacrifices in life. You know, dropping out of school, college, playing ball, music for kids, like just little things. And I just feel like, like I said in the beginning, like everybody's success story is a little different. And I feel like the story that I have is a story that needs to be heard because I'm not the only one that's been through this. I'm not the only person that sits at, at a certain age wondering if they can still make something happen. How old are you? I'm 38. Okay. And what movie you were know, you in? You said you were in a movie. Yeah, I was in um, Never Die Alone. Okay. That was a uh, Donald Goins book with um, DMX and uh, David Arquette, a few other people. Um, but it's a nice breakdown. It's like a, it's like a behind the music thing. And it's just going to give like the people like me, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm working on a lot of music and a lot of videos, a lot of visuals, you know, um, I've been away for a while. So it's almost like hit a reset button. It's like start all over. I'm a brand new artist now. All right, I'm you got, you got to, plenty of time to come up with a lot of ideas. Now you can like put them into, yeah. you can bring them to life. You can make them happen now. So that, where can people follow you to keep mm -hmm. up to date with when your documentary airs and when, I guess, if you do behind the scenes, all that kind of shit. Like where do people find you and reach out well, to you? Like if somebody well, wanted to have you speak to an organization or, you know, um, just reach you for some reason. Yeah, the easiest way to find out what's going on with me will be Instagram. Um, I'm basically active on that. Um, I give all my um, updates and what's going on with me on there. And that will be at Lex911. That's L-E-X-X, -X, the number nine, E-L-E-V-E-N. Um, and that's the best way to find out anything. I think for anybody right now, that's the best way to um, reach out to the following and give them updates on what's going on with you. Um, so yeah, you um everybody will see when the music is coming, when uh, the other projects is coming. Like I said, the documentary and, uh, and a few other things that I'm working on. Um, but that's that's basically that's that's my plan. Just everything that I was you know visualizing on them long nights when I was away. Mm -hmm. I just want to you know just 
you know, just Make bring it, it to fruition. Is you the know, documentary just, the script you wrote? Or is that something separate? No, that's something separate. That's um that's that's um that's something that I'm still trying to figure out what direction I want to go in. Okay. A couple people read it and they fell in love with it. And they said I should turn it into a book. But me, I'm a, I'm with visuals. Like I'm su- like I'm such a you could do like both multiple streams of, of income. Don't don't cut it. Live don't limit that shit. Let no, it do no, I, I, all of it. it no, I, I I totally get it. But it's just like how I want to present it and what do I want to push for first? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like you could do both. You know, but what is going to be my approach? Like what is going to be my direction initially on get getting it done? You know, I want to do the visuals of it for it. Um, so that's something that I've been talking to one of my homies out there in Brooklyn. Um, that I'm gonna go sit down and talk to when I'm in New York in the next couple of weeks, probably. Um, because he's in the middle of shooting a movie and everything now, so he's interested in it because he read it. Um, I had people from Virginia, um, from Jersey and um, Baltimore read it, and they were just like, Yo, son, you got me feeling like I just sat in the car and, and drove through Queens with you, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like. And that script that I wrote is basically loosely based on the whole no rap money situation with me and my co-defendant and everything that was going on with us leading up to prison. Okay. You know, but it's, it's, uh, like I said, it's loosely based and, you know, the drama is added that, you know, the, the storyline is added to it with, with a whole bunch of other things that's going on. So it's real tough, real so it tough. It seems like and, you're going to have a lot actually happening and i'm excited to see what comes of it so i'm certain that there are other people who've been following you for a very long time that are very excited to see what it is you come out with next yeah. so thank you yeah, very much be fun. i appreciate you, you being on my my uh podcast i definitely think that that entails a lot of travel that's doing a lot being in all those different places so i appreciate you for the, spending your time with me here thank you again yeah. I appreciate you for having me. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Thank you again to um, Lex for this episode of Travel and Shit. I'm your host. Don't forget that there are visuals. Uh, The visuals always drop the day before the audio. So if you are interested in seeing um, our conversation, you can also hear the podcast episode before it airs on Thursdays, just go to D carry or travel and shit podcast.com. And, um, or you could just go to my YouTube, just search out travel and shit rocket science guys. All right. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It is one that I very much so enjoyed myself. All right. See you next week. Bye.